The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. In this episode, we follow up on our podcast of last year and ask what effect is the COVID-19 crisis continuing to have on the hotel sector and on travel and tourism in general? Are we now seeing light at the end of the tunnel? Have hotels adapted or is everyone just holding tight and hoping for business as usual when the pandemic recedes? And will survivors emerge stronger than ever before, facing fewer competitors and with a leaner, more efficient business model? Hello, and welcome to the Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Neil Bayliss, a partner and head of the travel group at Mishcon Dorea, and I'm joined remotely by my friend Catherine Dobrell of New Dog PR Company and an industry expert in the hotel sector. Catherine, it's great to have you here again to follow up on our discussion last summer on COVID and the travel sector. I hope your new PR company is going well. Last time we spoke about travel and COVID, and this time we're going to look with a bit more focus at the hotel sector, which I know is your specialist area. So let's kick off with what's perhaps a crystal ball type question. After perhaps the most difficult year in our living memory for the travel and hotel sectors, do you see signs of optimism? Is the hotel sector starting to feel more confident? Gosh, well, uh, it's lovely to be back, Neil, and lovely to see that we've both thus far made it through the pandemic. Thank um, you. <laughs> it's very good. So yes, the hotel sector, you had me at perhaps the most difficult year in our living memory, but mm. it has been bad for hotels as well. Um, <laughs> and it's not getting better anytime soon. But I think people are starting to feel more confident in as much as they've realised, certainly in the UK, that you can't just closed down lots of hotels well lots of hotels in central London of course have completely closed um, and who knows when they're going to open again but a lot of others have started to take the view that it's a too complicated to keep closing and opening again and b any loss that you're making can be seen as marketing uh, people know sorry it's my pandemic puppy squeaking away there gotta have a pandemic puppy so as far as the hotel sector goes though we were expecting there to be a lot of uh, blood in the water as far as lost money and people calling in debt and things closing down. We haven't seen that. What we've seen so far is some pretty high profile refinancings, um, but people are pretty much just sticking with it. There was an interesting example a few weeks ago, JJW here in Paris and elsewhere, but mostly here in Paris, has been going through some traumas for months and months and months and months and years and years and years and people have been looking to buy it and they haven't bought it and nobody wanted it and they put it on the market and then loads and loads, something like 55, there are 55 different bidders. A couple of people Gosh. bidded twice, which I thought was enthusiastic, <laughs> but but about 55 different bidders. And then the owner thought, uh, well, maybe there's something to be done here. And now it's all going through the courts as he decides he doesn't quite fancy it after all. So I think we're seeing the sector not suffering quite as much and people finding workouts and, and that sort of shenanigans. So there is optimism. People are, are constantly waiting for this return to travel, which everyone knows will come. Investors are, as you can see from JJW, just just ganging up to buy hotels because they believe that when they come back, they will bounce back the Fast. hardest mm. and the the fastest exactly compared mm. to retail or, or office, which is where you need to look in if you're an investor. It's not so much a case of how are hotels; it's a case of how it, how is everyone else. <laughs> it's much 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 worse. So um, you have to look at that. So I think the hotel sector is feeling confident but frustrated. It would be nice to open. But they keep on having these deadlines, which, you know, just keep on flying by. And you're not really sure what things are going to look like when you can reopen. So there's sort of optimism in that when things do reopen, it'll be sort of rapid growth and exciting times. But it's just just how long. That's the hope. And it's going to be completely split, isn't it, amongst, as we saw last summer, domestic market in the UK, great. Domestic market in France, great. 
uh, international travel, nowhere to be seen. So fantastic if you've got a hotel in Cornwall, horrifying if you've got a hotel in London, the kind of the polar opposites of how things used to be. What about the split between leisure and business? There's sort of some people saying that you know everyone's just desperate to have a holiday now. So as soon as flights restart, everyone's <laughs> going to be jumping on the budget brand jetliner and getting off to the sunshine in Spain or Greece or wherever. And business will be a little bit more cautious about their employees heading off and taking any risk. Yes, I, I think you're right. I think it's a, a case of not allowing your employees necessary to travel too much unless they've all been vaccinated. Mm. Um, it seems to be at the very senior level, pretty much they will be, even if they're you know buying Russian vaccines or whatever. And if anyone has a Russian vaccine, please do give me a shout. <laughs> <laughs> but I say anything at this point. But yes, it seems that, that leisure is the way ahead. Somebody was telling me the other day that where the airlines are seeing the, the inquiries is for long haul, people who are looking to be reunited with family members. Right. Um, so, right. which is interesting because I, I would have thought that people would be doing the all that kind of business that they haven't been able to do internationally. But it seems that family family comes first and people will be going to do that. So, which led us to speculate because obviously all these trips end up with, you know, I'm going to New York, but I'm going to need to sign off some, some of it on expenses. So probably what I'll do is have a meeting there or whatever. And so we'd had this whole pleasure thing before, which is a yeah. horrible word. Um, and I think probably we'll see a kind of a, another version of that. We sort of, I'm going to visit my family, but I'm getting some meetings in, and we were trying to come up with with words for that. We got as far as FAMCOR. Fam <laughs> not sure about that. And somebody came up with one that had vacation in it. Fat biz bizvac. 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 Yeah, that's that's not bad. So that's, there's uh, that. A new kind of um, vacuum cleaner. I don't know, but it's yeah. Yeah, well, does it's the job. Cleans up, you know, revenues all around. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Yes, I think you're right. I think business will be first. last to the last yeah. to the table. Yeah, I'm certainly um, Mr. O'Leary's confident about his business bouncing back in the autumn. So we'll see if he's right about that. Do you think that means budget brands will will potentially be in a better place than the the five star luxury brands, or not necessarily? I suppose you know leisure covers all, doesn't it? Yes, and I, and I think luxury have done pretty well so far, depending on where they are. Lots of luxury resorts, because and people, you know, we're always hearing about this huge screeds of cash everyone's storing up. So I think there'll be two strands, won't there? There'll be people who are desperate to get away, but have had a horrible time of it employment-wise throughout this. And there'll be people who've been just sitting on cash and are desperate to have just somebody else do every single thing for them all day long that they've been previously doing. You know, I don't want to lift a finger to do anything at all. So you will see, I think you'll see a lot of people thinking, I'm going to get away and it's going to be amazing I think one thing, whatever happens either way, the guest will be very demanding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've waited two years for this holiday. Two years! Better be good. Exactly. There's <laughs> going to be, you don't want to be on the receipt. You don't want to be working on the complaints line of any of that no, companies. No, 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 exactly. Awful. The, uh, no room so. for any mistakes now. Though, so no, 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 no. It's got to be, be Perfect on. or death. Yeah. And I suppose challenging times often give rise to creativity and force change that wouldn't otherwise happen. We've seen that, I think, with remote working obviously haven't we people realizing mm. that you can actually do most things true. online you, you know people have finally um, got the hang of their video screens and, and are comfortable <laughs> having meetings in that way and so looking at the hotel industry do you think there have been any changes and which of those will sort of continue or is it everyone just literally doing nothing and hoping it's back to normal <laughs> next year so that is hotel's default position so so you've got to imagine that will probably come to it i think that what they've had to learn to be, particularly, in a, and I know that that you guys have been working a lot with refunds and and all that sort of shenanigans. I think that hotels will have had to realise that they need to be a lot more flexible 
in their booking and a lot more flexible in how they treat the customer because now I don't know about you but I'm been speculatively booking for the summer holidays and and I live in France so I feel more smug about it because um because my domestic market is very well served um yeah and yeah. Uh, so I've, I I booked that up but still still in the back of your mind you need everything to be 100% cancelable and 100% refundable and I don't mm. want to be seeing no vouchers because I'm running basically a voucher based economy at the moment um I saw the other day that I think Eurostar have something like 400 million in debt. And I thought, you know, I could cancel that very easily by just saying it's okay, I'm not going to cash my vouchers in. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I think that they need to be more flexible. All this business of you can you can only check in at one and you can only do this and you can only do that. They just need to sort that out. And certainly as far as bookings go, you need to be more flexible. The OTAs have been offering flexible bookings and they've made that a USP and hotels need to step into that. And I think that they might do if they know what's good for them because the you know, the ramp up is is going to be quick. And then I think there'll probably be a drop off after the initial feeding frenzy. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Ease of booking, flexibility and the refund issue. You know, I think a lot of people have obviously had bad experiences. And then yeah. some remarkably, some hotels and airlines still being a bit uh, difficult in that regard. But hopefully competition will, will work and uh, people that do offer the better service will, uh, will thrive. I mean, obviously some people have accepted travel vouchers and um, mm. you know, delays and all the rest of it. But um, that's not the preference for anyone. I would have thought you just want your money back as soon as possible and then you know, move on to another booking. Exactly. So yeah, hopefully that that's that will continue. And automation as well, I think, is something that, because we've been moving towards that for a long time in the hotel sector and, and particularly in the luxury end, people said, no, no, people want somebody to say your name three times at the reception, <laughs> like, like Beetlejuice, you know. But I think they've realized now that people want to everything to be seamless. And I know we talk about friction and frictionless travel and that kind of thing. But I think hotels have realized that you have to do it automated at the moment because you can't be licking and touching everything. Um, and they've realized that people like that. And that gives you the chance to, you know, do other things at check-in rather than just accusing people of theft and taking their credit card details and saying the name <laughs> multiple times and doing all those other yeah, exactly. things. Yeah, exactly. Why are you here? Why? Uh, and painful <laughs> process that, yeah, hasn't really changed. Exactly. In- so I think that's kind of that's forced yeah. them to to face the fact that that actually mm. it works and it's okay. So people just yeah want to turn it's up. They've done everything online and they yeah just here's your key off you go. Yes, yeah. or even yeah, there's your nice. phone. Here's your key. We'll talk to you never. <laughs> exactly. Minimal interaction. Complete. It's yeah. the dream. <laughs> Don't human beings involved. No, just, no, no, uh, no, no. Automated, as you say. And, and do you think any? I'm not. We're trying to do advertorial here, but um, are there some? Hotel chains, which you think have done particularly well, or have got ideas in that regard, which have been working well and already sort of shining as, as good examples, you know, being creative in terms of new offerings. Well, I wouldn't go as far as saying new offerings. Most people got into the, have you considered working in our hotel room bit, which people did. Um, mm. So that was nice. I think Accor are always out there as innovators. They didn't launch their self-driving cars, tragically. I hope that that's just on hold, but you know more of that at some point yeah. in the future. <laughs> but but I think what what they did do, they did working from a hotel. But what they did do was they were out quite quickly talking to government and trying to set up industry standards for cleanliness that weren't just applying to Accor hotels, but the whole sector. They're lucky because they have the ear of government in this country, which isn't obviously the case in all of the countries around the world. Even if you have a, a hotelier for a president, but they were able to get in there and then speak to power. And that was good for the sector. And they made it good for the rest of the sector by bringing in 
a global standard. I'm not quite sure how successful that was in the end because I think people mostly just stayed in Airbnbs um, <laughs> because you can <laughs> you can clean that yourself. But it was a nice idea. I like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, no, it's sort of so, taking a lead. Being yeah, exactly. Taking the lead to... and talking mm. to power is is what you need in this environment. And the other company I think that did well were IHG because apart from we all must find out how, what Keith Barr is doing to his face to say looking so young. But monkey <laughs> glands aside, they made a big point of continuing to pursue their kind of planetary responsibilities and they lots of stuff about their journey to tomorrow which is their responsible planet thing and obviously at the moment it's reasonably easy to be responsible about the planet because no one's traveling anywhere and no one's staying in any, any hotels <laughs> exactly no but it's so, ever. exactly so it's really, it's really yeah, good yeah. but i think that they were good for kind of holding that line because that was very big when we went into this and it will be very big as we come out of this and it was good to see they weren't too dissuaded that's good i mean i certainly um that's something I, i'm picking up more in the general sort of travel arena is a sort of genuine engagement with the SG issues and in particular the E. And I think that without being too cynical for some time, it's just one of those things that people <laughs> gave lip service to or didn't really want to recognise at all. And I think that has sort of finally changed in that it's no longer acceptable to say, look, people are just having a nice time. Don't don't get in the way of that by putting restrictions on what people can and can't do and worrying mm. about how your carbon emissions are going to go up when you fly halfway around the world. Just enjoy yourself. But that that does seem to be changing, and I guess their hotels are playing a part in that. It's, I think it's incredibly challenging for the airlines. You know, it's not like you can have an electric plane yet; that's a long way off. But obviously, for hotels, there is a huge amount you can do to to sort of be as carbon neutral as possible. That's your sense, true? Is it that most chains are now sort of getting their act together and are thinking about look supply chains and waste and you know, product usage and all the things that you can make significant improvements by thinking about. Uh, well, sort of before this, they were all, you know, you'll remember they were banning straws, um, banning miniature bottles of things, and it was all very good. Um, and Reuse then, your towels, and, yeah. Yeah, you say, oh, just throw towels everywhere. Um, and then BlackRock <laughs> came in, didn't they, and said, we're only going to be investing in stuff that's quantifiably properly assessed, properly yeah. assessed. Yeah. and everyone mm. went oh crap mm. um and so, <laughs> so now they're yeah so now they're all having to do it properly and you'll see more things like bream ratings in hotels and i think in in office now correct me if i'm wrong you do get a slightly higher valuation on your property if it is properly rated and i think that's yeah. that's not the case yet in hotels but it's starting to come in and when that comes in you'll see that things change i think obviously yeah, money yeah, talks yeah. all that i'm always yeah, surprised by how much carbon is produced by just buildings you know it's um, yeah it's weird though isn't it i don't i don't i'm not like talking about heating, science but it's but it's weird and the concrete is bad i don't really know why plant bad. nice lawns on the roof and uh exactly exactly <laughs> have, have little windmills everywhere yeah it's, but, it's fine it's fine so i certainly didn't spend years pulling vines off my my house and bath because it rots <laughs> bang back up back up yeah yeah exactly <laughs> doing great stuff you mentioned airbnb briefly as an example of where people are sort of in control in terms of their um, hygiene issues, I guess. And it has <laughs> undoubtedly been the most famous disruptor to the industry in the last 12 years since it came on the scene. It seems like it's been around for longer than longer than that, but that, that's it. And obviously it's had its listing now and certainly significantly up already on the on the listing price, albeit it hasn't sort of continued to rocket up, but it's, it's in a good place. What's your view on Airbnb's future? Is it still standout? Disruptor, do you think its its future is really positive? Are there people coming up behind it with a similar and perhaps you know even better model in some ways, or is it in a in the same sort of strong position that obviously has been for for some time now? 
obviously fascinated to see the IPO and fascinated to see their progress since then. They still haven't really come up with a strategy that I've seen. Although this year they said they were going to stop doing stop doing PR and start doing marketing. No, the other way around. Mm, I forget. They weren't doing okay. advertising. They were just relying on stories in the newspaper. And Brian Chesky right. said, we had so many stories in newspapers last year, like 6.8 billion or something. And it was just amazing. And I thought, yeah, well, you're having an IPO, <laughs> mate. So it's not surprising. you yeah, may not be able to rely on that. You're not doing one every year, one would assume. But I think... As long as the pandemic continues, things are going to be great for Airbnb for obvious reasons. Most of their inventory is in places that you want to go to hide away from people and you can clean it yourself. So, you know, jobs are good. And of course, the leisure market, as you said, is coming back and that's their focus. Things will be great for them, pandemic and immediately afterwards. They need to do something that isn't just reputation based and is based on their own supply. So if they were to use all their buckets of cash to buy physical assets or something like that, that would be a good idea. They're not showing any signs of doing that. And I think that they've shown other people how to do it. And you're seeing a lot more companies coming up that are controlling the supply themselves. And it used to be that that was very difficult to do. So Ackle had huge issues trying to make money off One Fine Stay, for example. But Marriott, which did very similar, so now will launch their own thing. And also it's a loss leader for them, this product. They've appreciated mm. that it's a loss leader, but they can control the inventory a lot more and you've got the backing of the brand. And I think there's an opportunity here for the hotels. They can't get to the scale of Airbnb, of course, but to start working on that and to really, really have that brand promise that, you know, you'll get your refund, you're with us, there's nothing to worry about because I think the shine is going off the Airbnb brand and that's all that it has. So I think the opportunity is there for hotels to to come back and say, we can verify this property and if anything goes wrong, we're there. And you've got you've got a remedy. Yeah, you're not exactly. going to be having exactly. an argument with a with the landlord. I'll go back to what you said earlier. You know, people have waited a long time for the holidays, haven't they? They want to go and have a nice experience. Do they want that risk of turning up and finding something's not as described or someone's left it in the state and, you know, having no real recourse? Yeah. I'm not, not so sure. No, exactly. So if you can do it through your, you know, Marriott Bonvoy points that you've been storing for the last year to eighteen months, then um, you're more likely to. If they can get, you know, yeah, if they can bring yeah. in the supply themselves. I don't think they're particularly motivated to get up to, you know, 15 million listings for that. No, no. That, I mean, perhaps no one will get there. But yeah, it's, it's. I think, as you say, the challenge on Airbnb to potentially explore ways to diversify or, or potentially do a, do a merger at some point just to get the, I'm sure they of, will. Uh, the wider offering. Yeah. Interesting times. I and mean, I don't know if currently it's challenging, isn't it, for anyone to be thinking about entering a market, but uh, once things are back to normal, then uh, we might see that if Airbnb do continue to do well. I mean, it could be one of those brands that people sort of love to hate. It's hugely successful. People carry on using it, even though they're sort of complaining about it, as we know with certain airlines that <laughs> continue to make hundreds of millions of pounds, even though everyone's happy to say unpleasant things. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, that's, that's always the But then no. there are, you know, the hotel sector aside, Expedia has Verbo, which if you go looking on Airbnb, you will almost inevitably find the same listings on Verbo largely because of local laws that prohibit a certain number of listing, you know, people dual list and that sort of thing. And so it's funny because there is the immediate opportunity to go to a competitor if you find something that you like, which you, you don't get yeah. in the classic hotel sector quite so much. You know, but you can choose to buy the same thing off two different sites, which is a lot more kind of, ooh, the internet, um, so, which, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. people are yeah. used to doing <laughs> now. So I think, you know, in some cases you'll be looking I don't know, the Dordoin or wherever, for example. And you think, oh, that seems nice. And then you have that choice about who to buy it through. And this is where the issues are going to come up, I think, for Airbnb once people get more savvy. And people are savvy about online shopping because it's all we've been doing for the last year. 
So, yeah, exactly. We've, been, we've all been doing it. Mm. So uh, I'm going to um, wrap up with a, just a little fun question. So, you know, assuming we're post-pandemic, everything's lovely, and I'm going to give you a, a holiday destination anywhere in the world. Catherine, where would, that, <laughs> where would that be? Where would you like to go? I would like to go. So I've been very lucky because I'm mostly based in Paris for this pandemic, and I only moved here recently. So it's like I am in foreign. Not a bad place to be. Yeah, that's good. It's not a bad place to be because Paris is like a senile aunt who used to be on the stage. Exactly. Even when the mind has gone mm. and, you know, there's no cinemas or galleries or anything open at the moment even when the mind is gone it still looks good yeah so you can still grab it's nice it looks good even there's nothing going on up top um (laughs) so that's been good so Mm. i'm not kind of starved of of having seen the same place every day for the last sort of 30 years but on the other hand i would like to go somewhere i just i just don't speak even remotely anything like the language like one of those mm. languages where you just can't you have to like the scandi yeah, languages yeah, where you of. just you have to read the subtitles because you're not getting anything <laughs> coming in just by looking at them somewhere where it just completely yeah vietnamese alien. is quite good for that that's quite i would quite like a bit of vietnamese actually i'd like a bit of that i haven't been um but i enjoyed the top gear special I thought that's that. true that that is a classic so motorbiking down vietnam yeah <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah so after the pandemic i want to become jeremy Clarkson. grab our mopeds and are. head off to vietnam and <laughs> yeah, exactly. whiz through the paddy yeah no that sounds like a very good choice well let's let's wrap it up there for now it's been a fascinating discussion and i'd like to say thanks so much to Catherine dogrell for joining me for this mishcon academy digital sessions podcast thank you for inviting me i'm neil bayliss and do look out for the next episode in the series the digital sessions are a series of online events videos and podcasts all available at mishcon.com and if you have any questions you'd like answered or suggestions on what you'd like us to cover do let us know at digital sessions at mishcon.com until next time take care The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com.